Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, a ministry of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. All this week, for both our free and premium subscribers, we are featuring messages from the 2023 Bible Conference in Perth, Australia. The conference theme, Taking the Gospel into the Nations. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. the Lord. Well, that was fun. Amen. Thank God. What a great uh, atmosphere has been in the conference. Wonderful preaching so far. And uh, I am enjoying myself so much seeing what God is doing. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel 24. In construction, one of the most important factors has to do with the foundation. Because When a building is built, what it is built on will determine whether there are problems in the building or whether there are, uh, whether the building will even survive over time. When you have faulty foundations, there will always be problems. I want to show you a picture here. This is a, an apartment building in South Korea. It's a beautiful picture. There it is. Okay. Making sure. Put it up. You can do it. There we go. All right. Shallow foundation. And so it began to lean in there. I have a, a, another one. going to show you a video. A building in India. Not only did it lean, but it collapsed. Foundations. In the Christian life, In the church, God has planned wise foundations, and of course, no other foundation can man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. He is the main foundation, but there are other foundations that Jesus Christ has planned in life and in the church. One of those crucial foundations is the foundation of authority. And when authority is absent, when authority is faulty, there will always be problems in your life, in the church. There are going to be problems if there is not authority. The text that we're going to read is about King David. He is being chased by a man who is actually, it's an extreme of unrighteous authority. His men are telling him authority doesn't count. And David will not respond to that, which is no doubt why God was able to use him. He believed in the foundation of authority. That's what I want to preach about. The foundation of authority, we're going to skip through chapter 4, starting at verse 2. Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel. He went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats, came to the sheepfolds by the road, and there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men, they were staying in the recesses of the cave. 
verse four, then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterwards that David's heart was, uh, troubled him because he cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with those words, did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went his way. Verse 11 and 12. My father, see, you see the corner of your robe in my hand. I cut the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. Know and see that there's neither uh, evil nor rebellion in my hand. I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt for my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you in verse 20. And Saul replied, now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. The foundation of authority. Let's begin. I want to talk about the foundation of life. This story is about King Saul. He is the one who had authority in the nation of Israel. But I want to say to you, the foundation of life in many ways is authority. The word authority by definition means the power or right to determine. It means to aim, but I'm giving it a definition for this sermon. Authority is the right to make decisions in the best interest of other people. Saul was king. God put him there. He was meant to make decisions in other people's best interests, we know that's not what he did. Everything was aimed at himself. Listen, the only way society functions well is by authority. Every person here, you got here on roads. You drove or you were driven. You drove in lanes that were determined by other people. You had speed limits. You had traffic light times, how long lights are red and green. You didn't determine that. Somebody else in authority determined that. Human nature is, I can drive around the corner faster than they say I can. I know that. And human nature is, the red light should be short for me. Right? All of life. I'm not going to belabor the point, but all of life actually functions on the principle of authority. Authority is God's plan. It's not man's. Romans 13, 3 and 4, rulers are not a terror to good works, but evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Then do good. You'll have praise from the same, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. He doesn't bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. The church is based on authority. Every one of you, if you attend a church, you need to understand. We, the Bible is filled in the New Testament. Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the king of the church. The pastor is not the king of the church, okay? But the king's church, King Jesus... 
His church, that's his plan, it involves a structure of authority. Ephesians 4, 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. God gave you gifts when Jesus rose from the dead, verse 11 and 12, what are those gifts? He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is God's plan. The church, by God's plan, functions by authority. And I want to say something. Our fellowship, we are a pastor-led fellowship. Our churches are led by pastors, not by boards, not by committees, not by councils. They're led by pastors. That means pastors have the right to make decisions in the best interest of other people. You can see this most easily by extremes. Very rarely, but I have had to deal with people who are violent in the church. I cannot allow that. Pedophiles, I cannot allow that. A while back, I was away, and my concert director texted me a picture of a man, and he said, is this man allowed to come to church? And uh, uh, to my horror, I realized this man was a convicted rapist who had come into a church and at some time in the past, someone had led him into church, felt sorry for him, gave him another chance, where he promptly began to stalk women in the church. I said, absolutely not. Get him out. I didn't, I didn't need a council to vote on that. We didn't hold a, a, a church-wide meeting. How many of you think rapists are okay in church? <laughs> no, get him out. I made that decision. I know some of you right now are going, oh, poor rapist. <laughs> That's why you're not the pastor. <laughs> so that is an extreme, but a church has to operate like that. The pastor makes many decisions. Listen, I consult, I get outside wisdom, I have a council, I bounce things off and uh, all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, the church is founded on authority. Let me say something to you. You can't have authority unless you're under authority. Matthew 8, 9, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, he goes. Another one, come, and he comes to my servant, do this. And he does it. A man named Benjamin Franklin, he said, if you want to lead, you must first learn to follow. That scripture that I just read, listen, in life, you need a supernatural dimension at work in your life, personally, your family, your church, and everything. A supernatural dimension is at stake. This man is talking about needing a miracle, but he says, I'm under authority. You will always lack authority in some area of your life if you, are, if you reject authority. See, life without authority doesn't work well. The theme of the book of Judges, there's a repeated statement, and it follows all through the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
And whenever people do whatever they think is best, the result, read the book of Judges, the result is chaos. The book of Judges, there's confusion and torment and bondage and crazy decisions. If you have ever traveled to a nation that is lawless, it is chaos. Mogadishu, Somalia, without rule of law, it's chaos to live that way. So now to our text, having said all that, Rebellion is the rejecting of authority. So think about this. This is is such a fascinating scripture. Saul is trying to kill David. He's been chasing him around the country. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. David and his men are hiding in the cave. So Saul Saul has to use the loo. (laughs) And happens to go into the cave where a bunch of armed men are. You're trying to kill them. (laughs) He pulls his pants down. Is that a setup from God or what? (laughs) That's what his men said. They said, David, you have the right to remove God's authority from your life. Verse four, the men of David said, this is the day of which the Lord said, behold, I'll deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And in that final statement, that is the essence of what rebellion is. As it seems good to you. The very essence of rebellion and rejecting authority is no pastor, I have the right to do as it seems good to you. I've had people before, you know, try to make a decision. They say, I have my own opinion. I'm sure you do. Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Some are bigger than others. (laughs) I'm sure you do have an opinion, but you're not in authority. It's a mistake to think that your opinion carries greater weight in the eyes of God. So listen, um, this is not an intelligence issue. What I'm telling I pastor people who are much smarter than I am. Being in authority, being a pastor, doesn't mean I'm the smartest. It is something that God placed me there. It's not a worth issue. I'm not worth more. A pastor isn't worth more. God doesn't love them more because they're the pastor. Sometimes I have to have conversations with people and it goes like this. Look, you don't do anything I say. You speak against the things that I choose. The real problem here is you are your own pastor. Got a picture I want to show you. This is a Merino ram that was dubbed Barak by rescuers found wandering alone in Victoria, Australia. Got to watch those Victorians. And (laughs) extraordinarily overgrown, it appeared that Barak was once once an own sheep who had escaped, but he was in a a bad way. He was underweight 
could hardly walk and due to all the wool around his face, he could barely see. They had to shear 35 kilos of wool in order to save Barak's life. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, how did he get my picture? does not want those pictures to be up there, does he? <laughs> Think about this. I don't need no stinking farmer to tell me how to live and when to get my wool sheared, but you do. That's the problem. You think somehow I have an opinion, so therefore I can reject the principle that God put in place. Let's talk a second about rejecting authority. Very simple truth. Many people reject the foundation of authority. You know, the, the problem is some people value rebellion. The world, the Bible talks about the world. The world is society organized without God. And our world values rebellion. Images of rebellion in movies and songs. You know, back way back in the 50s, it was James Dean. There are people, they have on the wall of their house, they have posters of James Dean from a movie called Rebel Without a Cause. Got a motorcycle, got a cigarette. There are people like, that's cool. Then you move on to whatever, uh, you know, type of... Uh, uh, actor, singer, rapper, that they, they love it. They think rebellion is cool. They think it's something desirable. Listen, we got people that they come into church and they come off the streets, they're tatted out, they're pierced, whatever. I have zero problem with that. But then I got little church girls that they get tattoos and piercings. Those are like, why? I think it's cool. Wow. So you value, I, I see parents, they think their children's rebellion is cute. <laughs> that rebellion's gonna grow. Some people use rebellion to protect themselves. Somewhere in the past, they had someone in authority hurt them or violate them. A parent, teacher, coach, boss, whatever. So now they live their life. They come into the church and they, they operate like this. If I don't let you tell me anything in life, you can't hurt me. You can't violate me. So now they come into the church, which God established on the foundation of authority. They're in the church, but they're living like absolutely not. I reject authority so authority can't hurt me. Some people allow success to fuel pride that rejects authority. Think about our story. David was a man who had success. He killed a giant. He held important positions in the army. He had people say nice things about him. Success can be dangerous. 
man named Warren Haynes, he has a song and one of the lines says, ego is a muscle, just add fame and watch it swell. Success in your mind, if that's your business, your finances, if that's your ministry, your church, I, I don't know what you are equating with success. Success does not negate your need for authority. This is a common disease. I watch this. People get a little bit of success and now all of a sudden they become critical, aloof, despising of authority. <laughs> I know stuff now because I got a little bit of success. Number 16.3, they spoke to Moses and Aaron, you've gone too far. The people are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. So why do you put yourselves above all the people of the Lord? You know, we, we need successful churches. We need successful pastors. We need them to grow. But part of the problem why there is percentage-wise so little success is because so few people can handle it. The moment God begins to bless them, now the very foundation of authority, they begin to, they're coming to conference looking, who, why did they choose him? And that, that's not right. And I, but you're not an authority. And then of course, in our text, some people allow flaws and violations to justify Rebellion. I want to tell you something. In our fellowship, we do not cover up sin. We do not cover up gross violations. I know that my job is dealing with sin and gross violations. But on the other hand, I want you to understand authority can still flow through flawed men. Some people are offended. I, I get calls or emails or whatever. They're, they're complaining. Yeah, this guy, he's a, he's a terrible. I, I, and what, what is the real problem here? He doesn't smile enough. He didn't wish me happy birthday. You know, you're offended over his personality. That, that's not a violation. That's a preference. Right? That's not the same. But some people, having seen a flaw in a human being, they think, wouldn't David have had? I mean, this is a fairly important issue. He's trying to kill me. The tragedy is when your rebellion, when your rejection of authority becomes unworkable. It can't continue. Three options of rebellion. Number one, you can spend your life lacking full blessing. There are people in every one of our churches, there is something missing of the blessing of God. And often it is rooted in this issue. At heart, they come to church, they're a part of the church, but at heart they are rebellious. They reject authority. But remember, what did the centurion say? That supernatural power I need from you 
it flows because I am under authority. So some people, they spend their life lacking the blessing that could come. Secondly, second option of rebellion, it can get to a point where a change must be made. I told you I have a conversation with people. You are your own pastor. And sometimes I have to have the conversation that goes like this. If you are your own pastor, why are you here? The church is founded on authority. That God established that. I didn't. It's not my plan. Clearly, I make you unhappy in life. I, believe it or not, I don't wake up in the morning dreaming of ways to make people unhappy. But rebellious people, I make them very unhappy. You're making life difficult for yourself. In fact, you're now hindering the spirit of the church. If you're your own pastor, why are you here? You should go somewhere else. Look, be your own pastor at home. <laughs> Teach yourself, pray for yourself. I don't know, whatever you want to do. But the position in church is filled. Author the authority, it's filled. <laughs> We're not advertising. You know what's very, very sad is from time to time I've had to have that conversation. So they're causing disruption problems in their own life with other people. I've seen them leave and in the church, fruitfulness, miracles, money, things we get. Wouldn't that stink? Hey man, you left church and everything got better. <laughs> Final option of rebellion, you can allow rebellion to destroy you. Our story is so fascinating. David would not rebel against a man who rebelled against authority. Saul was a rebel. 1 Samuel 15, 27, as Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught his robe and it tore. This isn't talking about a wardrobe malfunction. This is talking about a man, I reject what you are saying all my life. No! He's a rebel. The problem with rebellion, rebellion makes you come to wrong conclusions. Why is Saul chasing David around the countryside trying to kill him? Because he said, David is my enemy. David was his most loyal man in the army. He's, he's, he's my enemy. Crazy actions make sense to rebels. Saul, you see that he winds up consulting a witch. Rebellion makes people do crazy things. We have people who have left the wonderful work of God where God saved them and helped them because at some point, I disagree, I know more, you don't have the right. And then they spend their lives trying to destroy. I'm quite confident right now that there are rebels watching online hoping to get clips they can put out of this sermon. And I say, get a life or at least a rewarding hobby. Come on. <laughs> Huh. <laughs>
One final thought. Let's talk about determining the future. Please listen right here. Authority will determine your future. What is your future going to be five years from now? It's going to depend on whether you accept God's authority. Number one, accepting authority. That's where it begins. God places men in authority over your life. Let me ask you something tonight. Do you have a pastor? I didn't ask, is there a guy they call pastor at church? That's not what I said. Do you have a pastor? How do you know? Can you let him be the pastor? Can he actually decide in church on things that might affect you? Can he direct? Can he correct? And you flow with that? Or is it always, I don't know why he's doing that. Jonathan, at a point in time, he took off his robe and his armor and he gave them to David. He's saying something very powerful. In the natural order, by birth, he should have been king. But he said, I see that God makes choices. And in handing his sword to David, he is saying, I accept God's choice of a leader for the nation. I accept God's choice for my life. Accepting authority. But let's talk now about dealing with problems in authority. I know some of you right now, you have been on edge the whole time because you got, but I know a guy and he, okay, I'm glad you waited. Because, let's be honest, and believe me, in my position, I understand this. I have to deal with these problems. I want to say something to you. If there are problems with someone in authority, you must deal with them correctly. What happens if someone who is in authority over your life, what if they are genuinely doing something wrong or there's a problem between you and them? All right. Number one, you have to trust God with your life and future while working with authority. Okay, the moment that there's a problem, the answer is not bail out. Oh, there's a problem, I'm out of here. Whether that is literally physically leave or whether you just check out and put distance, that's not okay. 1 Samuel 25, 29, even when you're chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch, but the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. The wisdom of Abigail is David, trust God. But, but this guy, man, he's being mean. Trust God. That, that's first of all. But secondly, you have to deal with problems correctly. We have a system in place. We do not allow pastors to be rogue tyrants. We have a system in place to try and resolve conflicts. Every church, you should have a letter on the backboard. And it outlines that. Now, I want to say that letter is only to resolve. That letter is not the way you get rid of a pastor. If we get a lot of letters and send in, then they'll go, you're out of here. That's not what the letter's for. 
You have to deal with problems correctly. Think about the story of Noah. Noah gets drunk, and because he is drunk, he gets naked. How many of you know alcohol and wisdom do not go together? <laughs> How many problems in life start with hold my beer? Okay? <laughs> so here's Noah. He's supposed to be a man of God. This is dumb. He's drunk and naked. And his son, Ham, walks into the tent. <laughs> and he goes out and tells his brothers, you won't believe it. Dad is drunk and naked. His brothers, the Bible says, they took a robe and between them they walked in backwards. They're not denying that this is dumb for dad to be drunk and naked. But it's just a different attitude. They're not trying to tell the world. In other words, we have to deal with this. But we want to respect authority while we deal with it. Can I tell you something? If you have flawed authority in your life, that does not give you the right to despise them to speak bad, to rally other people, you don't have that right. One point in my ministry, it was actually here in Australia, I had a, a leader begin to attack. It was clear he wanted to destroy me. While this is going on, I never said a word to the people in our church. We had pastors out. I didn't tell the pastors what this guy was trying to do. As a matter of fact, my daughter, who was very young, she liked this guy. During the day, this man would be speaking, doing things, trying to destroy. We would have an area-wide event. My daughter would come up and be friendly. Go, hi. We didn't take her aside and don't say hi. He's the Antichrist. There are some of you, I pastored you back then. I never told you what was going on because it wasn't in your best interest. I wanted you to have a good view of authority. Let me tell you something, pastor. If you have a problem in life, come on, don't be a seventh grader and involve everybody in the world. Us again, you gotta hate them too. No, I wanted my daughter to respect authority. I wanted the people in the church. I'm going to work it out. If I can't work it out, I'm going to trust God. And that's exactly what happened. God took care of it. That man's gone. He's never coming back. So why should I poison everybody in a problem in the meantime? No, you have to deal with it correctly. Third thing is you have to get over bad authority. Some of you have had a bad experience with authority in the past. God forbid, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, but some of you have even had a bad pastor. That was years ago. You're still allowing that bad experience with pastor to damage your life. You're taking out your bitterness on the new pastor. 
How do you get over bad authority? Number one, you need to forgive. Mark eleven twenty five. whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Let it go. You know, what's, you know what stinks about bitterness from the past? You allow somebody who hurt you to determine your life in negative ways. If someone hurt me in the past, why would I want, hey, can you come over and hurt me some more? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. If that was in the past, I want to leave it there. That's what forgiveness does. Some of you need to repent. That's the second thing. Rebellion is not okay with God. Well, they hurt me. Listen, you're rejecting God. He's the one who set in plan, or place the principle of authority. You're, re- you're not rejecting a man. You're rejecting God. You're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. I get people that call, this guy, he's the Antichrist, he's horrible. I even have an idea. I want to move to Prescott. Listen, you would hate me in a month. No. (laughs) And, And I have to explain, you know, they're complaining about, you know, Pastor Joe Bloggs. And I say, you don't have a Pastor Joe Bloggs problem. You have an authority problem. He's just the face of the rebellion in your heart. You must repent of that. And thirdly, you need to cast out the lying spirit of mistrust. Revelations 12 speaks about the accuser of the brethren being cast down. Sometimes I counsel people in their marriage. They've been divorced and now they're remarried. They're having conflict. They're fighting. It's like, wait, wait, wait. You know what the real problem is? You're still fighting with your ex-husband. You're still fighting with the last wife. You're taking it out on the new one. You've, you've never resolved that. This is what happens to people who have problems with authority. Is there is a spirit that lies. To, there's a demon spirit that lies. To, they come to church. And the demon spirit says, you can't trust him. They go, I can't trust him. He's out to get you. He's out to get me. Why would you let a demon run your life? That's a demon spirit. There are people with no foundation. The new guy has never done anything wrong to them. But they're letting that demon cloud everything. They come into church mistrustful. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Finally, blessing comes from accepting authority. Psalm 133, 2 and 3, it's like perfumed oil on the priest's head, running down on his beard. It ran down on Aaron's beard to the collar of his robes, like the dew of Mount Hermon falling on the hills of Jerusalem. There, the Lord gives his blessing of life forever. That's a powerful principle. The Holy Spirit, the anointing oil, it flows from the head down. God put that in there. I didn't write that. Blessing. Some of you here, blessing would come if you would accept authority. I I close. I, 
I had a man that he battled, he battled me for in rebellion for years and many problems, too, too many stories to tell. I thought we had resolved it and then another round with his wife and I, I, I called them in and I said, we, we can't go on like this. Okay, no more. Not one more day can you live like this. It's not working. I said, actually, I want you to go away from church tonight, leave. But I want you to make up your mind. I'm, I'm trying. I, I have tried to be kind. I, I feel sorry for the wife, actually. I've tried my best. I've been more patient than I ever have in history. But I said, no, I can't. Well, I, well okay, tell us the rules. No, no. If you're here only by a rule, that's not going to work. You have to, from your heart, make up your mind, do you have a pastor or don't you? And if you don't, you're not going to come back, move on, do something else in life. You have to change your heart. Send them away. Wouldn't even let them attend the service that night. You got to think about this. A few days later, I said, we're going to meet and then I want to know what you decide. When they came in, the man said what they had discussed and he looked at me and he said, what we've decided, you are my pastor. Now, I don't get anything out of it. It's not like I got a pay raise for that. You know what I mean? You get a bonus this week because he accepts you. Nor, nor listen, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. It wasn't like, you're my, I'm sorry, say that again. <laughs> You know, say it into the phone. I'm going <laughs> to. No, but I'm going to tell you the Holy Ghost came down. I said, all right, I can accept that. You don't have to be perfect. I laid hands on this, this man and his wife and the Holy Ghost came down. Something happened in them when they made up their mind. We have a pastor. We accept authority. Some of you in conference, that's what needs to happen to you this week. You cannot leave conference like you came. You came to conference actually a rebel. You're giving your pastor hell. You've come to conference sneering and despising, critiquing. It can't go on. Either you have a pastor or you don't. And if you don't, don't be at a church. But I'm telling you, if you will trust God and his principle of authority, I believe God could meet with you tonight and change things in your life. Let's bow our heads. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, 
it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.